So, uh, Pastor Wayne Berry says this is an abnormal season. I would say if anybody would know abnormal. I hope you're watching, Wayne. (laughs) He's an authority on abnormal. Absolutely is. And so during an abnormal season, you open your service with a Bob Dylan tune. How many of you knew, knew Dylan wrote that like 40 years ago? Yeah, uh, and if save doesn't get you going, I don't know what'll get you going. That's uh, that's terrific. And, and you know what? This is this sermon series was planned back in uh, December and going into the first of the year, and it just so happens that the last sermon in this series happens to be about living by faith. And the kids have been talking about faith. I, you know, God, it's, it's almost like he knows what's going to happen. <laughs> knows what's coming. I, I don't know. Uh, well, I'm glad, I'm glad he does because I sure don't. Uh, so you want to go back to Egypt. Would you stand with me and let's read a verse that has nothing whatsoever to do with Egypt. But it <laughs> is about what we're going to talk about today. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that's in your word, for the power that's in your word. I pray that you would, that you would speak through me today and that we would hear and that we would be uh, obedient because this is an abnormal season. And so, Lord... Help us to do something that may be abnormal for some of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, Okay, so this is what had happened. Uh, Jerusalem had fallen to Babylon. The Babylonians had destroyed the city completely, and they had had taken over, and they were um, exiling the people, the inhabitants, to Babylon. And uh, Jeremiah was offered an easy life in Babylon by Nebuzaradan. I love that name. I just love Nebuzaradan. I mean, I just want to say it over and over and over again. It's a good thing I didn't have another boy. Uh, <laughs> because he might have been named Nebuzaradan. But, he, but Nebuzaradan was the guy who was in charge of, of the armies and of the exile. And he said to Jeremiah, look, uh, he found Jeremiah among the exiles. He sought him out and he said, what you said would happen has happened. And the reason that it happened was because these people were unfaithful to their God. Now, here are your options. You can come to Babylon with me, and I'll take care of you. And since he was very high up in, in, the, in the pecking order in Babylon, and Babylon was sort of the capital of the world at that point, it's a pretty good offer that he had. Or you can stay here if you want to. You can go anywhere you want to go. And if you stay here... Uh, the governor is a man named Gedaliah, and, and he's been appointed governor, and, and he'll take care of you. Now, the American way is to take the advancement or to take, okay, finally, I get to, get to kick back. You know, some people want to retire and stuff. Finally, I get to kick back and, uh, and, and, and relax and take it easy. Um, that's not always God's way, though. 
And the advancement isn't always God's way. I've seen a lot of people over uh, the 38 years, I guess, that I've been in ministry, 32 here, but I've seen a lot of people over the 38 years get... uh, have serious regrets overtaking the pay raise, overtaking the advancement. Uh, Jeremiah prayed about it, and uh, God told him, no, I'm not, not done with you. There's still some stuff to do here, so stay here. And so he stayed with Gedaliah, the governor, and everything was okay for weeks uh, until Gedaliah was assassinated. He was assassinated by a man named Ishmael, and it was, it was a political thing. Don't you just love politics? And, and so he, he was assassinated, and uh, when some of, the, uh, some of the other people discovered what had happened, a man named Yohanan led some soldiers to go after, because when, when Gedaliah, I mean, when, uh, uh, when he was assassinated, Ishmael not only assassinated him, he took the people and, and went off with them, and Jeremiah was one of the ones that he took and as a hostage to take, are we having fun yet yes. as Jeremiah and, and with the decision that he made? But Yohanan takes the, uh, takes the soldiers and they go and they catch up with, uh, with Ishmael and they defeat his, his army, though he, he escapes. And they, and they bring all the people back. And now they don't know what to do. They're kind of like, okay, you know, the boy, the Babylonians defeated us. They destroyed everything. They left this guy in charge. We killed him. And what are they going to do to us now? And so they come to Jeremiah, the prophet, and they ask him, should we stay here or should we go to Egypt? Because we think we might be safer in Egypt. In fact, in fact, this is exactly what they said. They said, may the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends you to tell us. Whether it is favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it will go well with us, for we will obey the Lord our God. Words. They're so easy to say. They were expecting, I think, an unfavorable reply. I mean, this is Jeremiah, after all. This is a guy who'd been telling, go over and surrender to the Babylonians. This is a guy who'd been saying, the Lord's going to destroy this place. This is, this is the... Uh, the prophet of doom, if you will. And so I expected that they expected to hear, you need to get out of here and get out of here as quickly as as you can. But guess what? Good news. Jeremiah comes back and says, if you stay in this, and and Jeremiah took 10 days, okay? He took 10 days to pray to the Lord. And he comes back and says, if you will stay in this land, I will build you up and not tear you down. Mm. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon. For I am with you and will save you and deliver you from his hands. I will show you compassion so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your land. Boy, isn't that good news? Isn't that refreshing? Exactly what they wanted to hear. No, not exactly what they wanted to hear. I've discovered over over the years that I've had in ministry that sometimes people will come to you and ask for advice. It's not often, but, but they will sometimes come to you and ask for advice. And on very rare occasions, they will come and ask for advice before they've made up their mind. But it's extremely rare. 
In fact, I've had it happen twice in the last month, and I don't know what to make of it. These are abnormal times. I mean, seriously. I mean, one, I thought, oh, okay, well, this is different. It's been a few decades since this has happened. And then, and then another one, and I went, what is going on here? Two, two people in a row came and asked for advice before they had made up their mind. Um, I think Johanan and these guys have made up their mind. No, we will go and live in Egypt where we will not see war or hear the trumpet. Don't know what they had against the trumpet or be hungry for bread. So Jeremiah thought, I, I thought you might say that. I have some more words from the Lord for you. If you're determined to go to Egypt and you do go and settle there, then the sword you fear will overtake you there and the famine you dread will follow you into Egypt and there you will die. This is a guy who's been right about everything he said. So what do you think they did? Of course, they went to Egypt. And not only did they go to Egypt, they forced Jeremiah to go with them. Uh, this series, most of you know, we've been kind of taking topics from uh, Eugene Peterson's book, Run With the Horses. And uh, Peterson, one of the poignant things I think he says in this last chapter, it is the supreme irony of Jeremiah's life that it ended in Egypt. The place that represented everything he abhorred. Why Egypt? Why, 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 why Egypt? You see, Egypt is a literal place, but it's also a metaphor in the Bible for the world. It is the place of bondage. It is the place of death. It is the place out of which we have been delivered, and it is the place to which we are tempted often to go back. That's, that's what it is, because this wasn't the first time that God's people said, you know, we think it might be a good idea to go back to Egypt. It happened on a, on a, on a fairly regular basis. And, and the reason why we are so tempted at times to go back to Egypt, because Egypt is, life in Egypt is the alternative to a life of faith. It's the alternative to a life of faith. In Egypt, the unseen becomes seen. The gods in Egypt are images. You can see them. The bottom line in Egypt is, is, is very clear. This is what you put in. This is what you get out. Oh, yeah. Like to, we, we like to understand what the bottom line is, especially before we commit to something. Over in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary. The bottom line is temporary. Those, those gods, those images, they're temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. This is one of the reasons why fundamentalism is so attractive to people in the faith. And you may go, well, wait a minute, where, where are you going to go here? Oh, I've, I've got some great places to go today. You're just going to really love this. I'm a short timer. Uh, 
It's one of the reasons why fundamentalism is so popular in American Christianity because it, it's kind of it's kind of the the bulwark against uh, um, secular science, uh, the bulwark against rational science. Uh, but the problem is, it's not the opposite of rational science. It runs on a parallel track with it. It runs on a parallel track. We want to we want to see. We want to know what we, we, we can touch. Uh, I mean, it's great. To, uh, it, it's cool to find Noah's Ark. It's cool to uh, find Mount Sinai. It's cool to uh, find evidence for a, for a young earth. But that's not faith. You see, does anybody know what the definition of faith is? Well, of course you do, just nobody's going to yell it out. Okay, faith is the evidence of things unseen. And if faith is the evidence of the things unseen, can the seen really increase my faith? Say, well, that's the right answer, man. You say, well, it can for a while. I mean, you know, if I see a miracle, yeah, okay. And if that's what your faith is based on, you'll have it until you see something that denies what your faith says. Because it's only based on what you can see. In Egypt, we won't face war because we see a strong protective military. In Egypt, we won't have hunger because we see a, we see a strong food supply. That's there. All Jeremiah had to offer was a word from God. <laughs> That's good, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, Justin and I, we'll just preach this sermon together. Yeah. <laughs> All Jeremiah had was a word from God, and it didn't line up with what they saw. Didn't line up with what they were looking at. See, the people respected Jeremiah enough to come and ask his advice, but they didn't trust God enough to follow his word. I'm only going to do one other Peterson quote today, uh, but it's this, and it's a good one. There is nothing more difficult than to live spontaneously, hopefully, victoriously by faith. By faith. Uh, Peterson uses a baseball analogy. He talks about going to a baseball game. And he says, whenever I want to escape the randomness, basically, of this world, I go to a baseball game because I know what's going on. You know, I, 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 I can figure things out. And it's, and it's, got, it's got a lot of different moving parts. It, it, it resembles life in a lot of ways, except when the Dodgers win. <laughs> Which they didn't yesterday. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if all you got in, in, in baseball is brute strength, that, that can help. But it, it often won't get you there. I mean, it takes strength. It takes speed. It takes intelligence. It takes coolness under, under pressure. It takes grace to win. 
every now and then a little, little deceptive. But people steal things and people get caught stealing and, and, and it's played, it's beautifully balanced. It's played on a diamond of all things. Uh, and, you know, and if a ground ball is, is hit to, uh, especially to the left side and the guy feels it cleanly and throws it cleanly and you got a fairly fast runner, he'll be out by that much. It's great. Uh, it's, I, I, I love the game myself. Uh, geometric forms all over the place. You know, some, most ballparks kind of have this thing, but some of them have green monsters, and you know, and some of them have uh, bays where you can hit home runs into and things like that. It's uh, it's great. It has no time limit. It can be it can be uh, shorter than you think, or it can go on indefinitely, even if they put a runner on second during extra innings. Uh, <laughs> It contains elegance and, and sloppiness and grace and, and unruliness and, and victory and defeat and all of those things, boundaries, risk, all of those things that you have, that you have in life. It's just like life with one major difference. In baseball, these things are well-defined. And you can, you can go, yep, that's that, that's that. In life, they are hopelessly muddled. They're just all over the place and trying to figure it out. Good grief. Yeah. I was talking with a friend of mine. I uh, had lunch with a friend of mine this last week, and he was, he was saying that, uh, uh, you know, he, whenever a person did blah, 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 I won't tell you what blah, blah, blah is. It doesn't matter. But whenever a person did blah, 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 the reason why they did it was blah, blah, blah. And I said, wait a minute. You don't ever know anybody's motives. You don't, you don't ever know what their reasons are. You know, they, they may go to a dull church instead of a, instead of a, a, a church where we open with a Bob Dylan tune. They, they, may, they may do that because there's a pretty girl there. I mean, you know, you don't know why they're doing what, what they're doing. And so it got me to thinking, <clears throat> because I've actually... Oh, this is going to be so much fun. I've, I've actually uh, heard this question before, uh, fairly recently. Can a person be a Christian and fill in the blank? Can a person be a Christian and a Democrat? Can a person be a Christian and a Republican? Can a person be a Christian and a communist? Yeah, I got, got an ooh, I thought it would. Can a, can a person be a, a Christian and, and a capitalist? Can, can a person be a, do you have to be on the right side of, of certain issues to be a Christian? Abortion? Gay rights, race, Israel. Yeah, I just I knew this was going to be fun. <laughs> if you think that's a legitimate question, if you think, you know, well, I a person can't be a Christian and blah blah blah, then you have drunk entirely too much Kool Aid. Seriously, I'm talking metaphorically now. It's not literal. You've drunk entirely too much Kool-Aid and you have a very deficient view 
of what being a Christian is. Because being a Christian is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, following after Him, and loving people. That's what it is. The older I get, and, and Ke- yeah, Kevin, I'll just leave you a mess. The, the older I get, the less concerned I become about issues. Really? Because let, let me tell you, I've been all over the map. You know, this is, this is right and this is left. I've been there. I've been there. And I've been back a few times. Back and forth. And I'm not quite sure where I am right now. I'm, I'm there, I think, is where I am right now. I think these are the only issues with which God is fundamentally concerned. I'm not saying that, you know, you don't need to have convictions and you don't need to, but because you do. But you just, I think the Bible says something about judging people and, and even about measuring our own selves. And the two things that God are concerned about is this. Do you believe in Christ? Everyone who looked at the bronze serpent Moses raised up in the wilderness lived. And I believe the scripture says that everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will inherit eternal life. And I think the other issue that he's concerned about is, do you love? Do you love people? That's that's what matters to me. Everything else is just details. And you know who lives in the details? Yeah, the devil is in the details. And you dig deep enough, you'll find him. And he will lead you deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole. We want religion to be like baseball. We want to use it to escape the muddle. We, we want it to tell us who's right and who's wrong, wh- which side of things we should stand on. And, and ironically, the, the more details that we delve into, the more muddled we become. Very honestly. We want to know who's right, who's wrong. We want to be able to judge. We want to be able to measure ourselves, even though the Bible warns against those things. Uh, Peterson says this this kind of religious life, uh, boy, (laughs) this is going to be fun too. Uh, He says, uh, in this kind of religious life, we go to as many meetings as possible because they reinforce the clarity for us of what, what it, uh, they, they give us an experience of, of a clear, controlled order, and we need that. We want that as frequently as possible. I, I think it's important to come together. I think it's important to, I mean, I, I love that we got folks back in the house, uh, you know, and, and I get it. I, I understand. I'm glad that we got folks online, uh, and I'm glad that you can do that. And you know, and if I woke up on a Sunday morning and, and wasn't the pastor, uh, you know, there might be a Sunday or two. I might go, you know, late breakfast and a little, yeah, this is, this is, this is not bad. Uh, 
you know, I, I, I totally get it, and I totally understand also people going, you know, I don't feel good about getting out yet. Amen. You, you got my support 100%. But I'm glad that there's people back in the house because uh, it's, just, it's just so good to be together. But at the same time, you know, meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. So, sometimes that's, that's what Christianity is to some people. There's more meetings. Uh, Kenneth Ware, I've, I've mentioned him a few times, one of my favorite heroes, and I'll, I'll talk about him next Sunday after next when I'm back up again, uh, when he talks about the greatest miracle he ever was involved with. But, uh, but, but Kenneth Ware, he was a missionary to the French gypsies back in the middle of the 20th century. Uh, is that a strange thing to say? Uh, <laughs> but he, he, he would call it meetings. Preachers always want to have meetings all the time. And we call that a life of faith. But life is ambiguous. It just is. There are loose ends. And it it takes maturity in the faith to to live with the ambiguity. It takes maturity to live with the chaos and and to live with the randomness of of the way things happen. Jeremiah ended up in Egypt. And we don't even know what happened to him there. I mean, I, I, you should read this book sometimes. That's where he ended up. All we know is that he was kept on doing what he had always been doing, which is telling people what the word of the Lord was. We don't know if he got shot, if he got married, if he got the girl, if he won the lottery. We, we don't know anything about him except that he went there and, and people still didn't like him. Solomon did not end up well. How many of you knew that? Manasseh, who was the worst king Judah ever had, ended up repenting and following the Lord at the end of his life. Couldn't get the people to go along with him by that time, but he himself, who saw this coming? You can't always get what you want. I mean, the Rolling Stone's right. You, 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 you can't, always, can't always get what you want, but you can live by faith. Here are the things of which I'm certain, and I'm, there's, there's five of them. I'm certain of this. I'm certain that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. I know that. I'm certain that He died on the cross for our sins, which includes me. He died on the cross for my sins. I am certain that He physically rose from the dead on the third day. I, I, I know that to be true. I'm certain that those who believe in Jesus receive eternal life. That's my ticket, and, and, it's, and it's yours too, if you believe in him. And, and I'm certain that he'll physically return one of these days to claim what is rightfully his. Don't know if it's going to happen in my, uh, while I'm still around or not, but I, if it not, I'll come with him at the time. You know, I mean, when he gets, I mean, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm gone at that point and I hear him say, road trip, yes. <laughs> I am on board for that. A life of faith is based on faith in God, not faith in self. That's why I can't go along with the teaching that if you have enough faith, then blah, 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 blah. You know. Okay. I'm getting ready to to say something that should end up on social media this week next to my picture. I'm just giving you a clue for that. (laughs) Living by faith doesn't mean getting what I want. 
It means getting what God wants. Living by faith doesn't mean getting what I want. It means getting what God wants. Now, there's power in positive thinking. You know, I, I agree. You know, you can listen to that kind of teaching and maybe make some things happen. But that's, that's, not, that's not the same thing. That's not faith in God. The, the, the clarities of faith are personal and they develop from within and they're not something that can be imposed from, from without by, by institutions or, or you know, certain kinds of teachings. And faith isn't based on where you stand on a particular issue. It isn't based on, on what your political persuasion is. Uh, it isn't based on who you vote for. It isn't based on, on what branch of theology you, you embrace. Faith isn't based on how you dress or, 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 or what, what foods you eat or don't eat or what you drink or don't drink. Smoke or smoke, don't. I, I, I'm just, I, don't put that on social media. Uh, <laughs> I said, well, pastor said you had to be here. Uh, it's not based on those things. Those things are destined, as Paul says, to perish with use. Because Jeremiah was sure of God didn't mean he was always sure of Jeremiah. Didn't mean he was always sure of himself. He didn't, he didn't calculate his chances by sitting down and, and, and looking at his resources and... Uh, he was in the habit of expecting God's grace new every morning. Fresh every morning. Jeremiah ended inconclusively. Like I said, we don't know. We don't know how he died. We don't know what his last years were like. I didn't expect... The worship team can come on out, can come on up. I didn't expect my last year in ministry to look like this in full-time ministry. I, I, I didn't sick. I didn't expect Margaret to go before me. I didn't expect to spend the major part of my life in Smyrna, Tennessee of all things. I mean, it's cool now, but 30 years ago, you told somebody you were from Smyrna and it was like, really? <laughs> But I know this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassion never fails. His, His mercies are new every morning. His faithfulness is great. He is my portion. And therefore, I will wait for Him.